Tauranga Tira Ma, No Maiki Tapai, or Te Wao Nui. You're listening to Te Wao Nui, a wrap of the week's Māori news here on RNZ National. Tēnā koutou katoa, ko Ashley McCall, aho. Coming up this week, the Māori providers helping whānau cope in the aftermath of relentless rain in Tamaki Makoto. Waitangi commemorations are underway, so what's on the agenda for iwi leaders? And the Māori tourist attraction that made its way onto Good Morning America. Our top story. Clean-up efforts continue in Tamaki Makoto this week after relentless rain battered the city more than a week ago. Many whānau had been displaced from their homes after floodwaters damaged flooring, electrical panels, wall lining and in some had been lifted off their foundations. Manurewa Marae says a lot of whānau who don't own their own homes are at the mercy of their landlords and property managers. The marae has been supporting 60 flood-affected whānau and has delivered more than 160 kai parcels since Friday last week. I spoke to the marae CEO, Natasha Kemp, about how whānau are coping. We're actually coping really well at the moment. I mean, the marae is no stranger to setting up, you know, a really fast, adequate, flexible response team. You know, knowing that we've been part of a COVID response over the last, you know, two years. So um, it was just natural and a normal flow for us as a Māori provider to be able to set up and bring our teams together to actually provide support our community so in all we're doing very well. How are whānau holding up? All in all you know the whānau that have been in touch with us and that we've spoken to a lot of them are just you know they feel like they're in that state of COVID again you know our communities don't actually know what a state of emergency is um, you know the comms that are going out aren't clear for our whānau and our community to understand they weren't sure where to go to to get help um, but you know it's places like Marae like uh, Māori providers like community groups who are popping up that are actually reaching out to communities to say we're here. Um, what we have noticed is that there is more communities helping their neighbours. So if you think about COVID, we all stayed home and indoors and nobody nobody went outside their four walls. We're in the floods, we are seeing neighbours come out and actually help one another, actually go and help um, clean up their neighbours' backyards, house them, support one another with kai. So there's a, di- a different community approach. So what action do you think is needed to support whānau in the long term? I think in the long term, there's, you know, at the moment we're dealing with immediate need. But we know that you know, once the civil defence goes, you know, it's going to be community groups that need to pop up and continue to support the long-term needs, such as you know, the um, replacing appliances in homes, supporting with any health conditions that come out um, because of the flooding. Uh, there's going to be ongoing kai. There's going to be ongoing bedding, clothing. We're moving into winter. Yeah, There's going to be a whole wraparound support that's required. And and actually, we've, we've done this before throughout COVID, and it's really keeping those teams on. It's redeploying staff that we have to be able to continue to meet the needs of our people, it's going to take, you know, again, government agencies and uh, ministers to release funding into into commissioning agencies like the whānau, like whānau Water to be able to fund uh, partners who are already out and who already know their communities and know their whānau well and know where to put the resource. So it's that that bigger picture that that is required. 
Meanwhile, Māori health provider Waipareira Trust has been handing out kai and door knocking around the streets of Waitakere to check on whānau most affected by the floods. I spoke with Korure Whānau Management Lead Roger Tifero, who says some whānau have experienced greater loss than material possessions. We've had whānau that have come through and we've gone and, um, we've gone and um, supported them with kai and blankets and sheets. Um, that we're able to quickly source yesterday or in the weekend. We, we've seen their photos that have sent through where they've just escaped just with the clothes on their back, driving down the road or trying to get out of the road where they've got absolutely nothing and they've stopped to try and help other people that are on the roads that are trapped. The homes, the mud, the, just the debris that's all sitting in the homes that are out there, um, the rubbish that's all over the all over the ground, um, the anxiety and the worry that the whānau are going through. It's been pretty hard on some of the kaimahi that they're just so thankful that they haven't been affected. And, you know, just the loss that the whānau have gone through. You know, absolutely everything just been totally annihilated with this water that's come through and the, the way that the rain just pulled, just just rose. They, they didn't believe it was going to be as fast as it did. There's going to be a lot of whānau, as you say, without clothes and blankets and a lot of things. So when it comes to resources from Waipareira, would you say that the team is well equipped and has enough to help everyone? I would definitely like to sit here and say, yes, we're definitely equipped enough. But how, how can you put a figure or a number on what whānau have lost? Some of them have, there's no insurance on their homes or anything like that. And, you know, that's the resources that we don't have is the um, emergency housing or places for these whānau to go during this traumatic time. So when it comes to something like that, I'd, I'd have to say no, trying to find um, homes for them. Although they've been a lot, uh, most of the referrals um, or the whānau that have got a hold of us have been able to reach out to other families, but that's obviously putting strain on the, the house that they've gone to. So a lot of the things that have happened, we're, I guess, seeing a lot of short-term solutions, but what action do you think is needed to support whānau in the long term? Putting, you know, getting them back on their feet after losing everything, giving them support as in talking to people who, you know, um, maybe having community forums for them to be able to talk about with other people what they've gone through, um, what has worked for them, what can they do you know, supports around insurances and stuff like that. You know, obviously counselling through grief. Um, and I don't mean grief with loss of, uh, it could be grief that they've lost all of their um, family photos, their their tonga that have been handed down for years. So that, that's probably some of the long-term support that we would need to be putting in with Tiakamoto and stuff like that to support these people that have lost family heirlooms and stuff like that. How do they get through those sort of things? Thousands are expected to return to the far north with Waitangi Day festivities set to go ahead for the first time in two years. The Prime Minister and Government Ministers had met with iwi leaders from around the country, where they were challenged on their record delivering for Māori. Issues likely to keep popping up during Waitangi include climate change, co-governance and constitutional arrangements and the cost of living for Fano. Our Māori News Editor Jamie Tahana is in Waitangi. Issues like co-governance, which new Prime Minister Chris Hipkins is looking to walk back a bit, might not be that palatable to many iwi leaders, who many of whom are here from, like Ngai Tahu or Waikato Tainui, who have significant arrangements. 
And then you also have things like this is the first time the government's going to front since the Ngāpuhi Inquiry report was released into December. I mean, we've already had the clarification that Ngāpuhi never ceded sovereignty in signing the treaty. The one in December went on to further affirm that with the Crown overstepping its government. So they'll almost certainly get a challenge on that front as we look to, you know, how the Tetiriti will look come 200 years in 2040, there's talk growing of those those arrangements about how Aotearoa is governed and how Tetiriti is part of it. So that's going to come up. And of course, we've got the RMA reforms and everything like that. Um, Iwi leaders will have a significant, want to have a significant say in that. Ranatamariki is defending its care of children despite a new report showing it's failing to reach some minimum standards. The latest independent children's monitor report shows that in two years the ministry has made barely any improvements. Here's my report on reaction to the latest findings. Oranatamariki has custody of more than 6,000 children and is supposed to meet minimum standards of care that came into force in 2019. The Independent Children's Monitor is the watchdog and Executive Director Aaron Jones says the report covering the last two years is a chance to see if the quality of care has improved since its first check in 2020. He says there's been no meaningful improvement and the agency is still failing to meet the basics. With the gap there is still to close, I don't expect those minimum standards to be met this time next year. What I want to see and what we all hope to see is that there's improvement and then for us to try and understand why that improvement's occurring so that it can continue. One of the seven key findings includes social workers needing to spend more time with tamariki caregivers and their whanau. Only 65% of children were visited by a social worker in the last year. Reasons for low visit rates include workload, staff turnover and availability of resources and leadership. Children's Advocate Group Voice Whakarongomai's Chief Executive Tracy Shipton says that's no excuse. We are facing a crisis around in New Zealand around employment and retaining workers everywhere. So I can see it's an issue but you cannot remove a child from a situation to place in a safe environment and then not check that it's safe. And in some cases not have it assessed. Around a third of children were placed in a home before social workers had fully assessed or approved the caregiver. Tracy Shipton is astonished. That's never going to be okay because the caregiving situation is so important to young people's safety. And if you haven't actually finished some of the assessments and ensuring that caregivers have the right information, I mean, that's part of it, making sure that caregivers are well supported, then it is just a recipe for disaster. In a statement, the Children's Commissioner, Judge Francis Ivers, says in some areas, Orana Tamariki appears to be getting worse. She cites the case of Malachi Supex. He was not under the agency's care when he was killed, but it failed to act when his family members raised concerns about his treatment. Orana Tamariki acknowledges there are failures, but says it's making significant progress. Our Deputy Chief Executive Nicolette Dixon is adamant the agency will eventually meet the minimum standards. I agree with the monitor that we can't continue to accept that as being the case, and where we see those assessments taking longer, we need to take action to improve that. I can't guarantee that that it will never happen, but I can absolutely be clear that we have made progress. The report also says the agency can't identify whether children children's education and health needs are being met. It found the number of tamariki registered with a GP had dropped from 60 to 53%. 
The National Urban Māori Authority Chair, Lady Tudeti Moxon, says Tamariki and Rangatahi are being set up for failure. They're basically put in a whare, a house, and left there to their own devices. You might be lucky and have some Māori provider uh, providing some form of care, but on them, in the main, they're actually not prepared to be able to exist in society. She isn't convinced anything will change for the better and continues to call for Orana Tamariki to be dismantled. You're listening to Te Waunui, a wrap of the week from our Māori news team here on RNZ National. Ko Ashley McCall tēnei. Two reports that came out on Friday from the Human Rights Commission detail the impacts of racism and colonisation on Māori. Both are calling for the government to commit to constitutional transformation and co-governance with tangata whenua. Pōkere Paiwai reports. For the first report, Kite Faiao Kite Ao Marama, researchers talked to Māori, Pākehā, Pacifica, and Asian people about how to develop a national action plan against racism. Some said they found it hard to even imagine a world without racism. It's difficult to imagine a future where there's no racism. It's quite disheartening to feel that way. Even as a rangatahi Māori growing up in the kōhangareo in Kura Kaupapa, it's still difficult to imagine such a future. I guess that's the living evidence of the extent of colonisation and assimilation that's happened here in Aotearoa. One woman told of being harassed in a supermarket and no one coming to help her. Another person felt they'd been passed over for promotion because of their skin colour. And immigrants spoke of a dehumanising system that treats them as second-class citizens. The second report, Maranga Mai, looks at the effects of 180 years of colonisation and racism on Māori. It cites poverty, poor health and lower life expectancy. Race Relations Commissioner Meng Foon says the long-term goal is an end to racism. Eliminate racism in Aotearoa in all forms, in all organisations, whether it's government, non-government organisations, businesses, amongst our communities, to build good culture so that we can all strive and thrive in Aotearoa. The report recommends appointing a permanent Indigenous Rights Commissioner, establishing a Truth and Reconciliation Commission, and that the government commits to constitutional transformation. Co-chair of the Anti-Racism Task Force, Tina Ngata, says the country's constitutional arrangements, such as the electoral and justice systems, are based on centuries-old racist ideologies and are at the root of racism here. Until we have a look at the unjust nature of our constitutional arrangements in Aotearoa, we're going to consistently keep winding up with the symptoms of racism and we will continue to struggle to deal with racism. The report features a call for He Whakaputanga, the Declaration of Independence, and the Treaty of Waitangi to be recognised as New Zealand's founding documents. Ming Foon says the country is making progress in tackling racism, although the political arena is another matter. Some politicians make it a, um, a, a political football. Racism, you know, um, 
debitement of uh, shared governance, co-governance or good governance uh, tends to be seen as a racist matter. Sometimes I think, you know, we go one step forward and we go two or three steps back. Tina Ngata says a backlash will definitely follow the push to end racism. All of these things, as we start to move towards justice, will provoke the anxieties of white supremacist movements, and they will get increasingly and increasingly more antagonistic. They will look for more ways to co-opt and undermine the grassroots rights movement, and they will also get more violent and more threatening, because at their heart, that's what they are, violent, threatening and brutal movements. But she's still urging people to take part in a conversation about how Aotearoa can become the best nation for everyone. Ming Foon says the most important step now is whakatina na ai. Turn these plans into actions. Very special edition this morning from New Zealand. We want to go right back to Robin in Rotorua. Robin, we miss you so much, but I know this is the trip of a lifetime, and it is gorgeous there, even though it's pitch dark. And you know, I've been talking to you about it, Lara. You know how much I was looking forward to this trip. I was here earlier in the day. It might be even more breathtaking at night. I am here at Tapua, a cultural center where Maori's traditions are celebrated and they're shared with all who visit. I met a couple from Utah here earlier today. It is on the site of an ancient village in a geothermal valley that has great significance to the indigenous people here in New Zealand. That was part of a broadcast on Good Morning America where presenter Robin Roberts ventured down to Aotearoa and visited Rotorua's Māori tourist attraction, Te Puia. The host has spent the last week in the country where she has been learning about Te Ao Māori and has found no shortage of stories she wanted to tell. I spoke with Te Puia's sale and marketing general manager, Sean Marsh, about the experience. So Good Morning America, we're, we're searching for a destination to, you know, to profile and feature and it is something that they, they do um, sort of every now and then. Um, their producer approached uh, Robin Roberts, who who's one of the, who was the co-anchor for Good Morning America, and um, just said, you know, where in the world have you not been that you would love to go to? And, um, you know, first words out of her mouth, we were in New Zealand. It was really exciting, you know, such a huge crew, um, hugely experienced crew. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a real, I'm not going to say, uh, it was a real joy. Like, you know, we really enjoyed um, having them here and, you know, they um, they were really extremely hardworking because there was a lot to do in a short amount of time. Um, but they also went, a, went about their business in a really um, respectful but really professional uh, manner. They were, they were great. Yeah, so you spoke a bit about working with Robin Roberts already, but she is a big name in America, and I have to ask, what was it like for yourself and the rest of the Kai Mahi to work alongside her? She's extremely down to earth, you know, and her, you know, I was just talking amongst our team, her superpower is just um, relating to people, you know, she she related to everyone in our team that she came across, um, I had the privilege of, of you know, um, sticking alongside her uh, for her duration here, um, but she, you know, she's very curious um, but very, um, you know, she just struck me as someone who's very relatable and, and you know, she was, she seemed genuinely interested in, in everything that she came across. So let's talk about the actual broadcast now. Can you give us a picture of what happened? Um, so, yeah, it gave, gave American, an American audience uh, the opportunity to view um, a pōhiri, uh, you know, close up and personal. And, 
And we had, you know, we even had American visitors that were here on site that, that could see uh, Robin, you know, going through that pōhiri process. Um, and also they got that, that again, that close-up opportunity to just see her engaging with our master carvers, our weavers. Um, yeah, it was, it was a really... Um, it was a really great experience for her and for our team. And how empowering was it for you and the Kaimahi to be able to showcase Te Māori to the rest of America and the rest of the world, potentially? It was huge. And, I mean, it, that is what we do. In, in terms of what we do at we, we we share the stories of of this place, of of our people. Um, but it's amplified. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just at a, a much larger scale, Some, something I don't think we've ever achieved uh, before. So it's... Um, yeah, that was hugely empowering and exciting for the team. And it was in the early hours of the morning as well. So how does the entire team stay fired up and keep their energy going to show the rest of the world what really Te Ao Māori is all about? Um, I guess the the advantage that we had was that there was a lot of um, thought and planning and, and, and real mutual consideration of, of everything that was going to be shared and then we had a, a rehearsal the night before so we could test um, the equipment but also just also test our you know the, the planes that we had um, but yeah there was, there was no shortage of um, of energy you know we everybody was definitely excited and, and just very aware that it was a, an amazing opportunity. That's Te Waonui for this week. You can find all of our Māori news stories on our website, rnz.co.nz, under the Te Ao Māori section. Thanks for joining us. Ko Ashley McCall, Tene, Tina Koto, Katawa.